friends from Far Away Podcasting presents Ill Will. Ill Will is a horror anthology podcast written and directed by Keegan Vanderlicken. Ill Will may contain themes and topics not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Right. I've now sufficiently taken care of myself to the best with what I can do. Still don't have full access to the shower because my mother has just boxes piled in the main bathroom. Because why not? Anyway. I am ready for another one of you to speak your piece. I am ready when you are. As before, please do share your name. And um, much like the fellow from a couple days ago, if you do have some unfinished business that I can assist with, I will attempt my best to reconcile anything my family has done to hurt you or those you loved in the past. Let's start with I need to speak to one person who has seen my brother within the last three months, if we can do that. Excellent. I am ready when you are, friend. Uh, Sorry about that. My mouth feels weird. It's been a while since... Well, I guess we'll get into it. My name is Noah Clark, and my coach is a monster. And it's not just because he has us run laps. I mean it literally. It is as if he was the thing you were afraid was under your bed as a kid. His presence makes your skin stand on edge. When I was alive, I was an athlete, and I was on the baseball team with my school as a pitcher. I wasn't the best at running, and didn't feel the need to apply myself as much as I probably could have, so as such I wasn't the main pitcher for our school, but instead a reliever. I took over after our main pitcher Jason had enough during a game, or whenever Coach Kinder would decide it was my turn to step up to plate. I did respect Coach Kinder. After all, I'd been with him throughout all of my freshmen through junior year, but as senior fall approached, uh, a new coach arrived at our school. Coach Kevins. I think it began the day the school had a fundraiser for the holidays. We had a barbecue and Coach Kevin cooked meat for everyone. The star athletes all loved it, but as I was a vegetarian, I couldn't stand the smell of the meat and opted to not partake of it, while it seems like everyone else in town had plenty. Besides not having the meats, I was too busy focusing on Coach Kinder, or his lack of presence, as it were. He was missing. 
after he'd messaged me personally earlier in that day to bring coolers for the hot cocoa to be made in mass for everybody. I didn't know where he was, and I did not know it, but I would never see Coach Kinder again. And he was closer than ever to my teammates. I miss him. Coach Kevin took over our training. It didn't even start off that bad. It was only as spring training season approached that things began to go wrong. I hated his training. He always claimed he wanted all of us to reach our peak physical ability, and most of the other students loved it. They loved being pushed to the point of breaking, and I suppose you might as well. I quit the team shortly after he took over, and it was simply because I did not feel a desire to overwork myself to never play in a real game. He took the news well. It seemed nice. I think that was part of it for him. My problems first came from my ex-teammates. They were not happy I left the team, and they began harassing me. Something had changed in them over winter break. The boys I once knew who were carefree and happy now all had buzz cuts and letterman jackets. And more importantly, they had taken to bullying me. Most alarming of all was when they would ignore my pleas and excuses for leaving the team. Probably since they all saw me as slow and reluctant to get sweaty in the first place, and they took it upon themselves to try to help me clear my head, cool off, and rethink my decision. The way they went about trying to help me to cool off was when my hatred for Coach Kevin began. He turned a blind eye when I was being shoved into a toilet and given a swirly by his star athletes. He walked into the locker room to see all of them raising me above the toilet. A chorus of jeers stopped as he looked over all of his students, and then he said, I'm so glad to see such strong camaraderie from my players on and off the field. He then turned away with a smile, and I was submerged. The jocks loved that they had been given a green card to keep bullying me and became more aggressive and gang-like. It wasn't just the new letterman jackets and buzz cuts. They acted strange in the halls. I swear I would never see any of them blink. The rest of the students and staff seemed to ignore them and let them be as rowdy as they wanted in the halls in class. The worst of all was Jason. He was relentless. We weren't just teammates. We had been friends and neighbors. In the afternoons when I left school within a few hours, he would be at the fence between our houses, staring up at my bedroom window. I was freaked out, and whenever I tried asking him about it, he would either ignore me outside of school, or aggressively punish me in front of his fellow sportsmen. I needed things to change. I decided to look more into him. Coach Kevin, I mean. And a short Google revealed that he was a big deal. He was a three-time Olympic coach for a handful of track and field events, and a state record setter, but all the photos did not depict the man who made my life hell. None of the photos showed this man smiling, and my coach, why, he always smiled. As I was given a swirly, he smiled. As I was shoved in a locker, smiling. As I tried to fight back, smiling. I tried finding Coach Kinder online, but found no traces of him on social media, no indication that he had ever worked at our school, and when I tried to ask people about it, they looked like I had said something alien to them and insisted the only coach we had ever had was Coach Kevin. The bullies continued to pick on me and were becoming more aggressive. Strangely enough, they no longer stole my lunch food, though. Uh, when I asked one of them why, I was met first with a punch to the stomach 
And second, I was able to find out that they were taking these strange bars from the coach. The wrapper I grabbed from Jason's jacket revealed it was some weird Swedish protein packet. I ended up breaking into the coach's office and found that there were many, many boxes of those protein bars, but there was also a terrible smell of rotting meat. As I was checking the boxes more closely, the coach came back into his office. I hid under the desk, and while I was hiding, Coach Kevin spoke to me. He said he could smell me in there, and he wanted to speak to me after class. Then he turned away and left. As luck would have it that day, the class in question was the Fitness Grand Pacer Test. The Fitness Grand Pacer Test is a multi-stage aerobic capacity test that progressively gets more difficult as it continues. The running speed starts slowly, but gets faster each minute after you hear this loud beep over the gym intercom. In other words, hell. After class, I was sweating so much I had to shower. As I exited the locker room, both the coach and his new team of all-stars were waiting for me. They'd gotten special permission to stay behind in the gym, and all seemed to be lifting weights that seemed disproportionate to their size or what should have been possible for high schoolers. I was asked if I was ready for the truth, and commanded to eat a protein bar. I refused, so the coach snapped his fingers, and the sound of metal plates being dropped startled me all at once as my prior teammates closed in around me. Two of them held me down, and Jason, well... He held my face open and shoved a protein pack down my throat. As I swallowed, I felt it was not like a nutrition bar. No crunch, only mush. It tasted awful. Like meat worse than what we were served in the cafeteria. It reminded me all too well why I had become vegetarian in the first place. But my senses were awakened, my adrenaline pumping, and as they let go of me, I was afraid. The coach leaned in and... He whispered in my ear to use the fear I was feeling to teach his experiments a lesson. I was told to start running, and he began counting down. Ten. Nine. Eight. I took off, and as I ran, his voice persisted in my head. Seven. Six. Five. Four. My emotions were going high. And I was afraid. I was afraid, but I knew I had to keep running. Three. Two. One. My instinct was correct. I heard the jocks burst from the gym doors behind me. They were chasing me, and I was stuck in the middle of the school. The first place I ran to was the locker rooms. I leapt up onto the lockers, and I don't know how I did that. Guess it was... The fear? My heart was racing and beating so fast, it was so loud, but I had no time to focus on that. I had to get away from my former teammates. I crawled into the ceiling and ended up on my stomach, distributing my weights and holding my breath, trying to calm my heart down. It was so loud, and I could hear my former teammates talking below. No, not talking. Clicking. Chittering. sounded like insects, and with a jolt, my leg was grabbed and I was pulled down from the roof. 
hit the hard tiles of the shower and found Jason over me. He looked not like himself. His skin was horribly scarred as though something was wriggling under the surface, trying to get out. It gave his whole face and arms the appearance of being lumpy, with muscles convulsing uncontrollably and involuntarily. After the initial pain of hitting the shower floor passed, I realized I could use this to my advantage. With a fluid motion, I kicked him off of me and turned on the spigot. Hot water emitted from the faucet. I thanked my luck that day it had happened to be a day that I got sweaty. The water was already warmed up from me being in there mere minutes before. The not Jason recoiled as the water hit his flesh. I was able to slip away soaking wet and ran to the cafeteria. I was able to hide next to the oven and climbed inside a trash can. I don't know why I thought hiding was the answer when I had been explicitly told to run. They found me again and pulled me out. I desperately grabbed the fire extinguisher and pulled the pin, spraying my assailants with the white foam. The monoammonium phosphate clung to their skin, and they began to squirm as though trying to escape their bodies. They convulsed as they made choking sounds, and all I could do was stare. Stare at them breathing, gasping, trying to intake oxygen, and that's when Coach Kevin walked in. He stared from me, then to his all-stars. Then he got close. He stared at me, then he inspected his all-stars, his experiments. He said that they had fulfilled their usefulness, and he had made a note that their lungs would need to be improved. I will make adjustments and improve in the next trial, and perhaps even the trial after that. Before I could react or realize what was happening, the coach seemed to expand. He bloated up to large proportions and absorbed his star team back into himself. He grabbed me, and once more I tasted that salty, savory flavor as he forced something down my throat. And I was changed. I felt as though my skin was paper and my bones glass. The meat in my throat rung with the vibrations and humming of bees. Then, all at once, it tore through me. I retreated into my own mind, trying to escape the pain of my body. I was on fire. I was dipped in acid. I had ingested molten glass, and my body ached for death. My nails elongated, and my skin fell off in slabs and pieces of wet meat on the school's cafeteria floor. I swear, I saw it skitter across the floor, and I could smell everything. The pine saw in the janitor closet down the hall, Coach Kevin's cologne, the overwhelming scent of blood and fear and excitement. The air burned my skin, and I leapt at Coach Kevin. He laughed at me and swatted me out of the air. He stood on my throat, and I watched as my mouth elongated. My vision could no longer look straight ahead. Instead, I was looking in either direction. Then, I went to sleep. I wasn't dead, but I might as well have been. I was no longer myself, no longer in control. I only knew how to hunt and then sleep. Every moment I was awake was a nightmare. I would wake up and see fear in the faces of other people, of the students as I hunted them down. I remember being reprimanded for eating them, and from that point on, I would only maim, rip, 
and tear them apart, but never kill. This was my life. I would sleep and have nightmares for months on end, only to wake up in a worse nightmare. In a reality where I was a hunter, and I hunted down weaklings. Then came the day that I was woken and told that we were moving. I followed Coach Kevin out of the school and into the back of a moving truck. He told me we were heading to the stadium, had to put on a proper show, and I silently obeyed, laying myself in the back of the truck. The drive, I assume, was easy enough. I sat in the dark, and for the first time in years, I was awake and not being forced to hunt and kill someone. I remember crying. The salt stung my face, which I knew had to be disfigured. Eventually, the truck came to a stop. The latch was removed and the back opened up. I could smell someone nearby who was reeking of death, and then it began to rain. The scent was hidden, and I was instructed to find the man in the storm. I tentatively stepped out of the van and took a breath of fresh forest air. The mulch, soil, trees, animals. So many new scents that clogged my vision, and I focused on the rain and tried to pick up on the stranger's scent. Instead, I tasted two new scents. One that tasted like fresh and warm apple cider, the other a more jarring and rancid smell, like dirty laundry that's been sitting in the hot sun all day. And then my hunt began. I soon found myself chasing your brother through the forest. I did not expect him to have a bear trap, though. And I was subsequently caught. I remember I scratched him good, gave him a nice cut on his upper arm, and the coach seemed amused by this. I remember your brother vaguely pulling out a firearm and not shooting at me, but behind me, where I had heard Coach Kevin's voice coming from. He took off into the trees, giving chase, and I was alone in the woods, desperately trying to bite my own leg off to get out of the trap to be free to resume the hunt. And that's when she appeared. I don't know who she was, but... She was beautiful. And she approached me, not afraid, not even the scent of fear on her, only the smell of apples. She approached cautiously with her arms outstretched to either side, and as I lunged forward trying to bite at her neck to maim to incapacitate her, I froze. I hesitated. I couldn't do it. I don't know why, but I could not harm her. And as I was frozen, she gently touched either side of my face and gave me a soft kiss. And after that, I'm afraid I don't remember much. I remember feeling so tired, but finally at peace. I remember she and your brother conversing nearby but being unable to see them or hear them fully something about being disappointed in how the coach had escaped but they were close this time and their own hunt would resume i don't know what happened after that but 
I do know that I was finally able to rest. Or, my body was able to rest. Guess not my spirit. But, I don't know what happened. And, I soon found out that I was dead. And then, I found myself here. Drawn to you. Like a beacon. I wandered for a while. Dazed, confused, not sure what was going on, but you. You're like a lighthouse. And I knew if I could get here, if I could tell my story, then I could move on. So, I thank you for letting me share. <sighs> Mm. Alrighty. Mm-hmm. Hmm. About 20 minutes have passed. I take it that was a single entity who told their story here. I do not know what to make of it. I might need to inquire from that dear old friend, the old goat himself. Maybe... I'm getting stronger. Maybe I'm directing it more. Either way, I need to give this a listen to. We will take a short break and resume in just a moment. End recording. <laughs> 